Hello, I am Dr. Cassidy and welcome back. In today's episode, we are exploring creativity. Specifically, we are looking at the relationship between creativity and the emotional experiences of joy and pain or grief and loss. I'm sitting down with my good friend Joy Cho of Oh Joy. Joy is a designer and a blogger and a creative that many, many, many look up to and are constantly inspired by. And Joy and I are exploring the answer to a couple of questions. The first being, do you need to be in a state or place of joy in order to access your inner creative magic? What about when you're in a place of pain? Is it possible that within pain we can find inspiration through the vulnerability that comes from pain? Can our creativity be inspired by that pain? Are there times when pain actually gets in the way of our creativity or people feel like they need pain in order to be a creative? You'll discover in this episode that both Joy and I believe that you can develop a healthy relationship with creativity, one that doesn't rest on being in a state of joy all the time or necessitates having experiences of pain to be able to embrace your creativity. You can actually embrace your humanity, which means that you will experience pain and suffering and that there can be beauty and growth that can come from your own vulnerability. At the same time, you also have the agency to clear out the things in your life that are getting in the way of you doing your creative work. You can take steps to get support by reaching out, going to therapy, cleansing your body and life of the toxic substances potentially and or relationships that are causing you pain. You can support others in their creative work because guess what? There is enough of the creative pie to go around for everyone. We can look to what others are doing to be inspired, realizing that while yes, everything at some level has already been done, it hasn't been done by you. You can measure your worth not by your successes or failures, but by your dedication to your path, your willingness to embrace both grace and grit. So let's jump into the conversation with Joy, and I'm referring to Joy the person, not Joy the emotional state. You know what I mean. Although maybe you are in an emotional state of joy because you're just so excited to get into this conversation. So let's go and do that right now. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast with Dr. Cassidy Freitas, licensed marriage and family therapist. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Now, let's jump in. Hello, you are listening to Holding Space Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Cassidy, and I am sitting here with my good friend, Joy of Oh Joy. Joy is a designer and a blogger. She runs Oh Joy, her blog, and she has products in Target, and she recently launched some amazing luggage with CalPAC. Joy, you're just doing all the things. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. So I first met Joy, and it's kind of a funny story, because I didn't really officially meet you in this way, but the first way in which I came across your work, so I was in the throes of graduate school, just starting to, to discover blogs, and your blog was one of the first ones that I found. I think it was through Pinterest. That's oh, like, you know, when thanks. Pinterest was, I mean, Pinterest is still a thing, but it was like... When it was a new thing. A new thing. Totally. And I was scrolling through and I saw this like, beautiful image. I clicked over and it was your blog. And I was like, what? 
what is this like blogging world? And you had, I think, a giveaway going on at the time. And it was a giveaway with, I think, Serena and Lily. Oh, yes. And I was like, oh, fun. So I, like, just, like, I don't know, somehow, however I was supposed to, like, apply for this giveaway, I did that. And then literally the next day I got an email from you <laughs> saying congratulations you won it was like a Moroccan poof and was that what the white Moroccan poof yes oh my gosh it was a white Moroccan so poof funny. and a blanket and I I text my husband I'm like babe I just won this like I mean this is like my first week into blogs I'm like I just won this like expensive nice cute poof and blanket from this blog and he was like Cast, do not give them your address. It's a scam. Like, oh my gosh. Do not. And I was like, wait, I think, I don't think it's a scam. I think this is like a legit person. I mean, she emailed me. I'm like, I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to just trust that this is some scam. What if I just like use your address and shut up at your door and <laughs> try to scam you for something? I know. I mean. Oh my gosh. That's, that's hilarious. That's what my husband thought was going to happen. But no. Like you got couple, the poof. A couple weeks later, a, a, blanket. Poof, a poof showed up at my door. And I think I, I took a few pictures of it because my daughter was a baby and she was like, I put it in her room and I sent you some photos and you were like, oh, so cute. And you were just. I was like, this person who's blogging and has this huge following, and she's just like this normal person who like, well, one, sends me poos, but also is just like <laughs> so sweet. And so then then I, I started blogging a little bit back in the day. I don't really do that anymore, but just as an outlet. And I started to, we met each other, I think, at a couple of different events. And then you were beginning to launch products, and you were sending products to people and I was one of those people that you would send products to and so I'd have a fun time photographing them and and then we came to know each other I think in an even more in a deeper more intimate way when one of our mutual friends Tori Hendricks got really sick diagnosed with cancer and we we both lost that friend and mm-hmm. so it was sort of through that loss that I feel like I became more intimately um just knowing you in a more intimate and deeper way yes that really was I really I feel like I don't I don't honestly remember the giveaway time too much I mean like I remember emailing you and stuff but it felt it feels so long ago at this point that I really I need to go back and like find that email I know years ago (laughs) I know so crazy but yeah I really feel like it was during that time that you and I got closer for sure yeah so what we're actually talking about today is related to both being a creative, you being a creative and creative work, but also actually in how does creativity relate to both experiences of joy, which you've made a career out of, out of bringing joy to people's lives, but also how does creativity relate to experiences of pain and how do these things intersect with each other? So let's start off with just talking a little bit about Inspiration, because I think mm-hmm. inspiration people can define it in different ways. Either you you create inspiration, or based on your life experiences, those are the things that bring inspiration to you. And so, I'm curious, how would you? What's your experience with inspiration, and how would you define what inspiration is? It's such a vague, and broad, and huge word because I think that in my line of work, that's something that I get asked on different levels all the time. Where do you find your inspiration? Mm-hmm. What brings you inspiration? How are you bringing inspiration to other people? Mm-hmm. And so it's it's 
back and forth. It's in and out. It's I'm hoping to provide it for people and I'm also needing it for myself. Mm -hmm. So for me, I think that it's always, it's honestly always up and down. I mean, there are days, nights, weeks, whatever, where I feel like I am brimming with ideas. I have so many things I want to do. I have so many things I want to pursue. I'm just like, where is the time of the day? I want to do so many things. Or I have really good ideas to share with my team for them to go out and like finish and execute. And there are some days, like kind of like today, honestly. (laughs) You're having one of those days. Where I'm just like, what do I have to offer this world? Mm. What is my purpose in life? Why am I even here? And it's... It was brought upon, you know, an email that I got from a reader that was somewhat constructive and it hurt my feelings a little bit, but Mm -hmm. it also brought out the part of me that was like, oh man, maybe I really need to be like revisiting some of the things that Mm. I'm doing. So anyway, inspiration, I think for me, like I can't ever force it. I think there's a lot of things in life that you can't force because when you force those things to happen, it's not when those things happen. So Mm -hmm. for me, my best moments of inspiration are in the shower and while getting a massage. Oh my gosh. Literally, all of my good ideas happen in the shower. Literally, while getting a massage. I swear. Oh my gosh. I have this one massage therapist and I swear like while she's massaging me, she like transports some magic (laughs) into my heart and mind. And... And or right before I fall asleep, which is a yes. horrible time, but it's like this like space between being awake and asleep where all of a sudden it's like I'm more open to the powers of inspiration. But then that's the worst time because then I just, I can't sleep and I need to like start the work right then and there. Um, yeah. Exactly. And the fact that you say that too, there must be something about our brains. And I think, I think part of it for me is just the fact that I'm always thinking there's so much going on when you're like a working person, working mother, you're, we're all busy doing so many things that when we have a moment for our brains to kind of pause a little bit, that's when it actually allows mm. it to be free. Um, so it's, it's like sort of like getting sick. It's like we don't get sick until all of a sudden we're on vacation and then yeah. our body's like, oh, okay, so we're slowing down now. Is there, is it okay now? Can I, can I now this illness, can this, can this show up? Is because you can actually have room to take care of yourself. And I can imagine inspiration is sort of a similar thing where it's like, okay, thing, things are calm and now there's a space for me to move in and absolutely this idea to, to pop up. Yeah. So I think that's the thing is that people are always asking, where do you find your inspiration? Like you could just go to a place and all of a sudden it's there. And I certainly attempt to foster visits to places, both with my family and my kids and also my team over here at Ojoy where we go to fun places and we do cool things and we take advantage of what LA has to offer. So it's definitely part of my plan in life and my plan with the people who are around me who I want to help grow and who Mm. help me grow. So for sure we do that. You can't stay at home doing the same thing and get inspired by doing the same thing. So for me, it's like going out and doing things. Mm. I mean, yes, there's Pinterest and you can look in other people's Instagrams and magazines and blah, blah, blah. And those will spark little bits of inspiration for sure. But it's like, to me, it's the physical activity of doing, going, seeing something Mm. that really helps. And I think that's probably the case for most people, but that plus... A regular massage, yeah. Let's just—I mean, let's just write off the massage as like oh, a work expense oh, for it's inspiration. Totally a write-off because that is where all the magic happens. Oh my gosh. Okay, so 
I, in my private practice, I work with a lot of creatives and I will have clients that come in and will say, I, because they're struggling with grief or loss or anxiety and, or something's happened in their life that they're outside of creativity, it's something happened in their life that they're really struggling with. And then they'll, they'll say, I feel like I can't do my creative work because this thing is is blocking me from being able to access all that creative juice that Mm -hmm. I know is inside of me, but I don't have access to. And so I'm curious to hear what has been your experience with like the real life, because you're human, right? Like you are this like rock star creative and there's a lot, tons of people out there that admire your work, but you're also human who goes through human experiences. What has been your relationship with creativity during those harder human experiences? Mm-hmm. I think that during those rough periods, and I've had them somewhat regularly over the last few years, you know, we, our mutual friend who had passed away a couple of years ago, we, this past two, a month or two ago, my husband, a good friend of my husband's also passed away of cancer. And, um, And then also there's other smaller losses that happen, you know, relationships, friendships, things like that. For me, in some ways, there is probably a concentrated period of time that I feel somewhat debilitated where I'm just like, Mm. not that I necessarily feel like my creativity is gone because of it, but because your emotions are so into Mm. a sadness or a mourning or the emotions that you need to feel, where in some ways I'm just like, why other people are going through this. Other people are losing their father, mother, whatever it might be. How, who am I to just have fun mm-hmm. and be creative and make stuff? Why do I deserve to just get to do this mostly fun job? Why do I get to do that when other people are mourning and sad? And even with like events in the world, right. school shootings, which sadly happens so often these days. I have these days following it where I don't want to be happy on my Instagram stories. Mm-hmm. I don't want to like post a photo of like something pretty because it just feels like it doesn't matter. Do you find that you're moments? able to give yourself permission to do that or, or does, or does this struggle show up of feeling like I need to keep creating, I need to keep moving forward? So it does, that part eventually comes. I think that I usually have a, a period of time at first where anything feels pointless and not that I show it publicly, but sometimes I struggle with that. Like, oh my gosh, I, it seems so not important to launch a new collection. It seems so not important to post a pretty photo of shoes in the context of everything else. But what I then realized, because I, I have had losses before earlier in my life that I've come through the other end where I realize, well, you know what? Those are terrible. It's all terrible. Like there's nothing to excuse anything that happens or there's no way to fix it um, instantaneously, but I'm still here. What Mm. I can do is I can be appreciative of my life and be appreciative for the time that I am here, Mm. however long that is remaining. And not in a morbid way, but in a way of like, okay, how can I take, how can I take the pain and turn it into Mm. me being 
projecting it into like more better. How can I be a better person than I am now? How can I help more people than I am now? How can I continue to do a better job at like helping or inspiring or creating for other people? Like it's not for me, the work I do is not about me. It's about how we can affect other people through the work. Now, even if the work is a pretty colorful suitcase that people take on their travels, like how does that affect them? How does that make them happy? How does that make them look even more forward to their vacation? Or how does that just put a smile on their face? Mm-hmm. It's like a simple thing like that. So for me, I eventually will come around. You know, it's not easy and it, there's no timeline, but it will come around to the point of like appreciation. And your experiences have shown that to you. Your experiences have mm-hmm. shown that like the emotions are big and they feel overwhelming and all-consuming, but that but that emotions also move, right? Mm-hmm. And that you're able to move through the experience and there's there's resilience in that, right? In sort of being able to reflect back on those experiences and how you were able to move through them. But it also sounds like there's almost this, through painful experiences, there's almost this, because you have so much access to vulnerability in that space, that you're actually able to find inspiration and, and, and like a renewed energy for doing for doing the work, for doing mm-hmm. the creative work that you're doing. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's just it's just a matter of getting... Th- I feel like it really all comes back to just, like, not letting it completely consume you. You let it consume you for the time that it needs to, to heal. And I'm not one of those people that defines healing in any specific period of time. Mm-hmm. I had my biggest loss of my life was like my best friend when I was 24. And so like that, that set me up very early on for feeling like pain so much earlier than I ever expected to. Mm -hmm. And so the more recent ones that have happened, it's like, it's, it triggers me back to those times in this case, different circumstances, different people, all that stuff, of course. But after my very first huge loss back in my early 20s, I felt confident about moving forward with getting engaged to my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband. I mm. started my own business, you know, like I, it was a beginning of oh joy. Like within that first year following it, as much as I was devastated and crying pretty much every day for a year, it also propelled me to move forward with things in my life that I wasn't sure I could do or that I wanted to do. And because I know that that person would have wanted me to do that, you know? Yeah. And so it's just like, and I haven't thought about that in a really long time, but it's just like, those are the things that make you just appreciate like being here. Oh my gosh. I'm like totally crying. (laughs) You sharing that, that story um, actually reminds me of, I still have it saved because it was my last like text thread with our mutual friend Tori. Yeah. And I was I was thinking about going into private practice but struggling with do I do private practice or should I just do the like safe thing and like get a like teaching job and where I get benefits and stuff and I I was texting with Tori and she asked she said she asked, "Well, what will make you the most happy?" Because whatever that thing is, like that's the thing you have to do. And it's one of the last like tangible things I have of like her words written out for me and that 100% like there's nothing, one thing that trauma offers and loss is it just, it makes you, 
it like makes it brings like so much clarity of like mm-hmm. what is what is actually important and yeah. I um I 100 percent when I'm feeling like shit I should have done something safer where I had health benefits or structure or any of that I think of I think of her and I think of what she said but also what she represented in my life and that pain because then then there's also the pain of like I keep to I I, I keep to keep living right and I better make the most of this and she would have wanted me to yeah and I think that's so true like the part where you just said I better make the most of it it's just you know, you just realize those moments if you're feeling sorry for yourself and you're not making the most of it. We have all times, days, hours that we can certainly feel that and feel it. But yes, it feels like we need to we need to honor those people yeah. too through what we do. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is like if you if it's not enough to motivate you to do it for yourself to motivate yourself to do it for other people. Yeah. And sometimes it starts there, right? And yeah. it starts there and then and then that that's what shows up that pushes you into the space of just doing the work because we have to just start doing the work, right? To get mm-hmm. in it. And then and then from there then it becomes your thing and then you're doing it for yourself and for the memory or the love or for the purpose of others. Mm-hmm. So I also, though, know that for some, so let me, so there's a quote that Elizabeth Gilbert has from her book, Big Magic. Have you read her book, Big Magic? No, I haven't. It's a a book about creativity and the creative process. And she has this quote where she says, in contemporary Western civilization, the most common creative contract still seems to be one of suffering. This is the contract that says, I shall destroy myself and everyone around me in an effort to bring forth my inspiration and my martyrdom will, shall be the badge of my creative legitimacy. And so there's, there's this one piece of pain and like through pain, we access vulnerability and through the openness that comes with vulnerability, we can, be, we can find inspiration and the energy to move forward in our creative endeavors. There are also though those times when it's almost like it's like the tormented artist that feels like they almost need pain in order to have inspiration. Mm-hmm. Like I can't be inspired unless I experience pain. And then people can get into this place of creating pain in their life, right? Whether that's in unhealthy relationships or like substance abuse or those sort of things. And so where does like, like where do you sort of like pass the level of like pain being helpful, right? Mm-hmm. Like what, how would you how do you understand that boundary? You know, I can't say that I've operated that way on a daily basis. For me, the most significant pain that has been life changing for me has has been death. Mm. Um, yeah. I have not that's really the main thing. And maybe because mm. the other ones don't feel as as significant to me, death is really the only thing that like shakes me yeah. to a core. Um, but I would say in terms of pain, I think there's also just like moments of feeling like something that makes you feel not great. You know, like that instance I just told you earlier about Mm -hmm. getting some feedback from some random person that I don't know, but it, it's not, 
it's when somebody's opinion, granted, I wish that other people's opinions didn't matter and I'm working on that, but, (laughs) but when someone's opinion actually is somewhat constructive and actually hits you in a way that Mm -hmm. you're just like, Oh, you know what? Maybe they're kind of right in some way about that. That to me is pain. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I'm, you know, my feelings are hurt Mm -hmm. and feelings hurt is pain in a smaller way and something I'll get over by tomorrow. But it still today is bothering me and affecting me, but what it will do, and I know this because I've lived my last 38 years of my life going through this cycle, is that it'll make me better. It'll inspire me to do something mm-hmm. that I haven't figured out yet. And it'll teach me that I have to also not live in this bubble of assuming that everything's always okay Mm, and just being open to change and feedback and knowing that it's all still good. It's all good for you. Yeah. So it's like you, it's almost like you can hold space for the fact that, okay, this thing is affecting me and I'm feeling something here and I don't feel good. It feels painful to hear that feedback or this moment and emotion that's showing up feels painful. But in living your life, you also see that you can, you don't want to get hooked by that, right? Because you, you could get hooked by that and then mm-hmm. spiral mm-hmm. into a place of, why am I even doing this work? I can't, I can't handle negative feedback. I'm just never going to do it again. Or there's, there's other people that are like, I, I need pain in order to feel inspired. Mm-hmm. And so they, that, those are the people that sort of create these situations. But instead of, it's almost like what I'm hearing you say is you're describing this other relationship with pain. Where it's like, all right, I can accept that it's going to show up, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm not, I'm not going to be taken by surprise when it does because I know that it's going to. But I'm also not going to get hooked by it and mm-hmm. to the point where it drives, it's, it drives my responses or how I'm going to behave or whether or not I'm going to continue doing this work. Yeah, it doesn't drive me. I'm not one of those people who like needs pain or suffering I'm not like that artist type where I need to have things go wrong to be able to fix it and there are certainly those types and I know plenty of people who are like that I don't operate like that because the majority of my life is positive and I mean oh joy yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean that's that's yeah. the thing that's that's also what I want to help other people with in their lives so um I don't want I'm not gonna ask for it I don't want it but it happens yeah and yeah. it you make the you make the best version of it for yourself. Mm. So what you're describing reminds me of this metaphor that I'll sometimes use when I'm working with creative folks. So let's imagine that you're going on a road trip and you get in the car and your passenger door opens and in jumps in creativity, curiosity, joy. Mm-hmm. But before, and you're like, hey guys, what's up? This is so great. Let's go on this adventure with each other. But then the back door opens and in comes creeping and crawling. So I picture these things being creepers or crawlers. Pain or grief or fear or comparison or judgment. And there tends to be two ways that people will respond to the fact that when you're about to do anything worthwhile and important, those things like pain or judgment or fear are going to show up. And we either respond by like pedal to the metal, cranking the music up, like horse blinders on, pretending like it's not there. So that's what I would call the like avoidance. Mm-hmm. Or that can also look like numbing out, right? So I'm just going to numb out and just pre- and not feel those things. And sometimes that can be like 
with substances or with relationships or with behaviors of sort of just numbing out. And I'm going to avoid the fact that those things are there. The problem with that, though, is that at some point, the passengers in the back are like, she's not listening to us, right? Mm-hmm. So if, you, if we've experienced a great loss and we haven't given ourselves the space to grieve and really feel that, at some point, grief in the back or pain in the back are going to be screaming in your ear where you can't ignore it anymore. Mm-hmm. And that can often lead to the other way people tend to respond with these difficult emotions and experiences is slamming on the brakes, putting it in park, turning around and being like, get out of the car. Like I, so now we're in a struggle with those difficult, we're in a struggle with our pain. We're in Mm -hmm. a struggle with judgments or comparison. And the issue with that is that we're not going anywhere. We're in park, right? And while we're both engaged in avoidance and in that like struggle, like parked, we're not we're not engaged with creativity, mm-hmm. right? Or with joy or curiosity, which can lead to creativity or inspiration. And so I almost picture creativity sitting next to you like, are we done yet? Like, <laughs> can we, because also when you're in avoidance, like our, we don't, our minds don't have the ability to like pick and choose which emotions we're going to numb out from or avoid. If we're all the energy that goes into avoidance means we're ignoring everything. And so it's almost like creativity or your muse is sitting in the, in the passenger seat, like, can we, can we start on this journey? But you're spending all the time in this like place of pain or suffering or in avoidance. Um, but what I'm hearing you describe is sort of this other option of getting into the car, turning to your muse, to, to creativity, to joy and saying, all right, let's go. The back door opens. And it's almost like when these things come in, pain, judgment, comparison, grief, loss, it's almost like you are turning to them and saying, hey, I knew you would show up (laughs) and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And that with that acceptance of those parts of yourself, that there's then a freedom. It's almost like, it's almost like dropping the like struggle, tug of war, metaphorical rope. Like you're you're no longer struggling with these things or putting all your energy into avoiding them. You're accepting these things are going to happen and show up. And sometimes there's a reason there's, there's, you have to hold space for like parking and turning around and spending some time with your pain and with your grief. But also knowing that you also don't want to get so stuck in that struggle that you're not able to get back in the car in the driver's seat and drive and that you never really want to have that fear or that judgment or that pain, jump in the driver's seat and drive. You're keeping yourself in the driver's seat, um, but holding space for the fact that those things are going to show up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, you're exactly right, like letting yourself feel it. Like there's this, um, Lisa Loeb does like these kid songs. I don't know if you've heard this one, but there's one that's called like Feel What You Feel. Mm -hmm. And it just literally repeats that (laughs) phrase over and over again, like, and it describes different feelings and stuff for kids. And it's a way for kids to say it's okay to feel what you feel. But really, it's like, feel what you feel. Because if you don't let yourself feel it, mm-hmm. that's when it gets stuck. And mm-hmm. that's when those those guys in the back are just like, hey, you're not listening to me. So for me, because I'm a very like sensitive person, and I always have been since I was a kid, like 
cry cry mm. that out I mean really like mm-hmm. pretty much after like a good cry session maybe I need like a couple but <laughs> it, it it helps it doesn't fix it no. but I think it helps to do that like and I'm not somebody who is holds it in at all I mean I will I will cry in front of most people so I don't feel that but for those who do have a hard time expressing their emotions in front of other people or at all that's probably the hardest mm. part is to get over that. Yeah. Whereas yeah. for me to cry it out in an appropriate setting, <laughs> um, right, is is very helpful. Yeah. And so, when do you think that getting extra support, right? Mm-hmm. So whether that's going, I may be biased, but like going to therapy, or when do you feel like, or yeah, just or or rehab, or like these sorts of things. Like when do you feel like. Like maybe maybe just speak from your own personal experience. Like when have you needed extra mm-hmm. support? So there have been a few times in my life um, when I had mentioned that I had lost my best friend at 24. That was probably the first time that I was like, I need, I think I need to go find a therapist. Now, mm-hmm. at the time I was living in New York and... Um, I was so young and like so broke and to pay for therapy, which is not cheap and a lot of insurances don't cover it. Yeah. It was not an option. I couldn't do that because I, I couldn't afford it. Yeah. And so it took me a very long time. Like I said, I was crying every day for probably a year. Um, because I wasn't getting that help and although I was grieving with other friends and family members and things like that, nobody was really, they can't provide that for you. In a, yeah. They can provide it for you in some ways, right. but they're also going through it too. Right. They can't right. provide an, another view and outside opinion about it. So yeah. it wasn't until I had moved out of New York and moved to Philly, um, a little bit later that I actually did find a therapist. It was around the same time I was starting my business. And so I was also struggling with like, how I do that and like the pressure to figure out how to make money on my own plus still never having really worked through the grief so I found someone amazing in Philly and I was with her for like a week a little over a year or so um before we ended up moving to California and I was but my one of my saddest things about leaving to go to California was that I was losing my therapist Mm. and I um we were in San Diego for a little bit, and then we moved to L.A. I'm totally uh, shortcutting these moments yes, of time, yeah. but you get the idea. <laughs> yes. By the time I moved to L.A. and I was looking again for someone, it's because we had just had our first daughter. I had my business, and it was doing mm. well, but it was also just me at that time, and I was trying to figure out the balance between having this new baby and having a business and still having to run that and the stresses of this new responsibility that I had and how I was you know, taking out of my husband and he's like, why are you yelling at me? I didn't do anything wrong. And, and so I was looking for someone and I found, I, I threw a recommendation. I found somebody and, but she was not the right fit for me. Like that was the first time I was like, oh yeah, this is like a process. Not all therapy is created equal and not everybody is going to be the, like, I know for a fact that I'm not going to be the best fit, the perfect fit for everybody. Yeah, yeah, and the, and I I thought you know I so I did four sessions with her because I think that's what she felt was enough to see, and after the fourth session I basically broke up with her mm-hmm. because it was too touchy feely. It was too much about my trying to 
bring up things from my childhood. I was like, I had a, I had a great childhood. I have nothing to complain about. Like, yes, there are things from the way that you're raised that cause you to be who you are, but like none of those things were what I needed to work on. It was, it was my own stuff that I was currently experiencing that I Mm. needed someone to help me with. And so she wasn't the best fit. And this is now five, some years ago. And when I, when I broke up with her, she was like, I think that what you need is actually a life coach. And I was like, what are you talking about a life coach? (laughs) Who has that? Like, what the heck is a life coach? And I was like, so annoyed. And I never went back to find anybody else. And then fast forward to now, I recently found a life coach to work with because through random of turn of events and it's been great. And, you know, and that's the thing is that like whatever version it is, I think that there's a certain, there was five years I didn't see anybody or have anybody Mm -hmm. from the outside help me with anything. I was mostly through your, your friends and your family and what you do, but there are certain points you get to where you're just like, I have something I need to get over or some things I need to get over. And I need somebody who is outside my world to be able to help me with that. And I think that's the biggest thing is because I love helping my friends and family. I love to give advice if I know that I can help them, if I know that I know what to say, and if I know they will listen. Yeah, It's not helpful when people don't listen. And it's not helpful when you're telling the same your same friend over and over again advice and they don't listen, that type of a thing. But I think there's something about an outside opinion that really oh, helps. Oh, 100%. I can't tell you how many times I've had, I'm working with a couple and I'll share something and a partner will be like, you know what, yeah, that, that resonates. And then the other partner will be like, I've been saying that for, you know, and so then it does just something about... Um, in therapy, having this space where you can put things on the table and have somebody that's not, that's emotionally invested, that's invested, but not in that like intimate personal way that can then reflect and ask questions that provoke more thinking for you. I love that you share that you've been in therapy, that you have a life coach, because I imagine a lot of people probably see you know, social media, the highlight reel, Mm -hmm. the like filtered, curated highlight reel. And imagine Joy would never need a life coach. Well, that's the thing is I actually, you know, I actually love doing that for other people. Like I think that I, and in some ways, because I used to do a ton of business consulting, I like, I actually love providing that for Mm. other people. Um, In more when you're linking like the entrepreneurial business sense, I don't think that I could help somebody through their emotions as well, but but it's just like a hairstylist. Like a hairstylist can cut people for other cut hair for other people, but they can't cut hair for themselves, yes. right? Like oh I, I can only apply what I what I can help other people with so much to my own situation because I'm in it. It's oh, it, I've been to I've been to therapy three different times, and I'm a therapist. And it's when I, when when my husband and I experienced a loss, miscarriage, we went to couples counseling because we were both you know, grieving in different ways. And I, when my daughter was struggling, when my, when my, when my son was born, we, I took her to see a therapist and we went to therapy as a family because when you're in it, it is, it's like, I can't, I can't see things (laughs) clearly. I, my emotions are, I'm just too in it. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's great. I think that I think that we're in a time, too, where more people are talking about it openly. Yeah. Um, and so it's not 
I mean, culturally for me, it was a little bit hard because culturally when you're Asian, especially if you are first generation, Asian people don't go to therapy. That's mm-hmm. what, you know, you don't, you just suck it up and you just like figure it out yourself. And so, but I've gotten over that. And I also think that as you get more, um, Americanized and you feel more comfortable in the world that you live in and you know that you should just do what you feel comfortable with. It's really mm-hmm. what it comes to. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if your culture says something. If you feel like you want it or need it, then you do it. And you're not doing it and as long as you're not doing anything that's gonna hurt other people or unsafe or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And so I I really just know like you just some some people are fine. Some people don't need it. Yeah. But if you need it or you think it would help you, mm-hmm. then you should I'm so grateful for you sharing that. I imagine that you're probably, without even knowing it, probably giving some permission to somebody listening who may have thought, no, therapy is for people that are really depressed or really, really struggling or in, you know, struggling with substance abuse or their marriage is on the brink of divorce. Yeah. And the thing is, it's also just like a maintenance thing too, because I think that there are some times when even like with my life coach that I've recently started working with, sometimes I'm feeling great and I'm like, yeah, I'm doing all these things. Maybe I didn't need one after all. And then the next week (laughs) I will totally fail at something that I've been trying to work on. And I'm like, okay, this is why I need someone to keep me in check. Cause without that accountability, accountability, but like really safe accountability, like accountability. That's like a big, like comfortable pillow where you can show up and like be the like broken person full of shame that makes mistakes and, and that person will hold space for that. And yes. It'll be okay. And then they'll support you in working through, through that onto the next thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Joy, for coming. Well, I'm coming to you for, for uh, making time yes. in your busy schedule. Thank you for coming to me. <laughs> for, for holding space for me to come to you. And so where can people find you if they want to follow more of your work? Your story? Um, ojoy.com. It has our shop. It has our website, blog, all that. And then Instagram at ojoy. And I love your stories because I feel like in stories is where I feel like you, I re, you, people really get to see other parts of you, right? And yeah, I love Instagram stories. I mean, it's definitely my favorite thing right now because it, it doesn't have to feel so perfect and you uh, can just yeah. share things. And sometimes I'm just like, do people even care about this? But then it's so funny, the things that you think people don't care about, they actually love the most. Um, but yeah, for me, I think that's also a nice outlet to just be like, okay, I don't have to plan a whole photo shoot for this. I don't have to plan a whole outfit or whatever. I can just talk about real stuff. And I think that's what people want these days anyway. It is. People are craving to know that the people that they look up to are also just normal. Yep. And I know I look for that too. I mean, I, I, I want to see that everybody else is, we're all in this together and we're all like have messy houses and then <laughs> we push it all to the side to take one photo. Um, you know, I have a funny story about that. So, you know, Rachel Castillero. Yes. So I remember she, she went to your house to get like, you were donating breast milk, I think yes. to, for Tori mm-hmm. and she went to your house and I remember she, she told me, she's like, it was just so wonderful to see that joy, like joy's house was messy. <laughs> like her house was messy. It was like, so just lived in and real and like not perfect. And it was just so, 
she she thought it was so beautiful. Oh, she good. loved it. I remember being like, I you know, I do that thing that's so annoying that I tell people don't do, but I do, and I'll do this to you because you're coming over to my house later. <laughs> yeah. I'll be like, sorry, the kids stuff is everywhere. At least now I can blame like kids' toys. <laughs> When, especially when it's not planned, it's like when we don't know yeah. or whatever, or if it's more casual, I'm always just like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. There's like so much <laughs> stuff everywhere. And you know what? I shouldn't apologize for it, especially to people who understand. Oh. Because it's totally. all like that. It's it like all like that. I mean. And if, and if I walked in and your house was like picked up and clean, I'd be like, how? Why? Like, I don't know if we could be friends anymore. I know. Because I know. Not, you know, I clean, I clean my house and then I'm like, can everyone just stop living here now? Yes. Like, because that would be great. Yes. <laughs> but it's not true. And I don't know. So that, the messiness of your house was like beautiful to Rachel and she shared <laughs> oh, it good. with me. It was like, it was like big enough. It was cool enough to her that like she had shared it with me. Well, good. <laughs> Thank you, Rachel. Cause I had no idea that <laughs> that happened, but, um, yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Joy. Thank this is so you. great. And I just am so grateful for you making the time and sharing your and being vulnerable. Thank you. This is the first time I've ever cried on a podcast. So you should I feel mean, very good Joy, about that. I have that. literally cried in like every single one of my interviews. Oh my I just gosh. cried in Kel, in Kelly Mendel's interview. I cried in the first interview. I just Yeah. What's happening? I yeah. just cry. Well, right? you just bring that out of you, but in a good way. <laughs> thank you. All right. Thank you. You've been listening you. to Holding Space Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the information that was shared in this episode. If you did, you might want to subscribe and be the first to hear about future episodes as soon as they air. Thank you so much for sharing this space with me. Have a great day. Bye.